Hello and welcome everybody to the Bring the Sting podcast. I'm your host, Evan Birchmore. Guys, today is Monday, March the 28th, 2022. And on this week's episode, guys, recap of a great week for the Charlotte Hornets, picking up some key wins coming down the home stretch of the season, as well as a preview of the week to come. And then, guys, very excited for this one. We have a very special guest interview with Desmond Novak founder and co-host of The Sports Report with Liam and Desmond. Be sure to follow them on Twitter. Guys, really good guest interview coming up at the tail end of this episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Without further ado, let's go ahead and dive on in. All right, guys, so the Hornets are getting hot at the right time, y'all. A really good week with one hiccup in the middle, but guys, the week starts with a victory over the New Orleans Pelicans, a game that I attended uh, and really a good environment there at the Spectrum Center. It, it was kind of a almost a trap game, if you will, in the sense that you were coming off a big-time win on a Saturday night over the Mavericks. You know, you had won four games in a row. And, and, and you know, New Orleans, a team that's a scrappy team, a good team, um, probably a team that you should beat. And you had just beaten them on their home court, albeit without C.J. McCollum, who did play in this game. And, and they come in, and, and honestly, New Orleans dictated the game for the first three and a half quarters, I would say. I mean, they maintained a lead. They really just kind of dictated the game. I mean, like I said, uh, Jonas Valanciunas, 24 points, 18 boards. I mean, he was just killing you in the paint. C.J. McCollum with 27 points, guys. Just such an underrated player. C.J. McCollum, definitely the the best player never to make an all-star team, I think is a very fair way to describe him, especially now that Mike Conley made an all-star team last year. Uh, But good resilience from the Hornets, guys. I mean, you win the fourth quarter by nine points. You win the game by three. So again, you go into that fourth quarter, you're down six, and it just felt like every time that Charlotte made a run, made a shot, made a play, something would happen to stifle the momentum. I mean, it would be you'd get an and one opportunity and miss the free throw, or you'd hit a big shot, but then give up a a bucket on the other end, or you'd get a stop, but then you would turn the ball over. I mean, just you could not really put good plays together in a consecutive fashion until, you know, well into that fourth quarter. But, you know, you got some good play coming down the stretch. Mason Plumlee played really well, guys, 11 points, 10 boards, Made some big plays down the stretch. Had a couple buckets there at the very end of the game that kind of kind of iced it, if you will. And then Lamelo really hit the the dagger, if you will, coming down the stretch. Really good defense there on that last possession. New Orleans couldn't get a clean shot off, and you win the game by three. A very balanced effort, guys. Where you didn't have a single player score over seventeen points. Terry had seventeen. Lamelo had seventeen. Miles had sixteen. Mason, as we mentioned, had eleven. Trez had twelve. Isaiah Thomas had 15. He had a really nice game. So a very balanced effort all around. You you know, New Orleans beat you on the boards pretty bad. It was 47 to 35. Charlotte did share the ball better. It was 34 assists to just 23 for the Pelicans. 10 blocks for the Hornets to only four for New Orleans. Uh, You you know, then points in the paint was relatively close. New Orleans had 54. Charlotte had 46. Just a very back and forth game. But what I liked was you did not fold in the face of adversity. I mentioned this on the post-game reaction video. I don't know if this team wins that game a couple weeks ago, honestly. Like, the resilience that they showed, the backbone that they showed to to stay with it well into the fourth when things weren't really going their way the whole night. You love to see it. Awesome atmosphere there in the Spectrum Center. Really excited that I was able to make it out for that game, guys. Uh, Shout out 
Hornets lead on Twitter for the tickets, guys. That's where the tickets came from. So Hornets lead, thank you for hooking me up with the tickets for that game. Uh, and the purple jersey streak, you know, I don't want to say it, 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 it might be over. I mean, they wore the purple jerseys and it looked like for a while they were going to take a loss. And you end up pulling out the win in the purple jerseys, uh, you know, the purple jerseys that have have caught a lot of heat from fans because it seems like every time we wear those, something bad happens, but you get the win. So job well done, which leads you into Wednesday night against the Knicks, guys. And this was your hiccup on the week. Honestly, a game where the, the Knicks are not a very good team this year. They've had injuries. They've had players regress. They've had, you know, Tom Thibodeau, the head coach, ha has maybe made some questionable coaching decisions throughout the course of the year, but they came in and they just blitzed you. I mean, honestly, they, they were going off from three. They hit 44% from three, 23 pointers, guys. I mean, that's the difference in the game. They made seven more threes than you. So if you do the math on that, that's 21 points. You lose by 15. So, I mean, that's your game. But a lot of them were just open threes, like not even contested. It wasn't like they were just making good shots and you were making them work for it, in which case, you know, you tip your cap and you move on to the next game. But just just not a very good defensive effort out of Charlotte. So, you know, again, one of these games that kind of fell in another trap spot where, you know, Wednesday night you had just gotten the win, obviously, over the Pelicans, as we just talked about. And the, a Knicks team that didn't even have Julius Randle or Mitchell Robinson playing in the game. So, again, not a very good performance, uh, but you got to tip your cap. R.J. Barrett played really well. Alec Burks played really well. Uh, Obi Toppin did some good things. Uh, as well for the for the Knicks. So, you know, you take the loss. LaMelo did have a good game. You want to shout him out. 32 points, 9 boards, 5 assists. Uh, and, 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 I mean, guys, these things will happen. I'm not going to overreact because people will also overreact to a big win where you might have, like, stolen one off a team in a manner like the Knicks did, you know, against the Hornets. So, again, is it reason to panic or anything? No. It's also... This is just what the team is. I mean, it's an imperfect team. We know they're not going to win every game from here until the end of the season. These things happen. But, you know, you do falter against the Knicks. And it is kind of ironic that, like, I mean, you beat the Mavericks. You beat, you know, we'll talk about here in just a moment, the Jazz and the Nets. But then you lose to the Knicks. It's, like, not the game that you would have picked Charlotte to lose. But, you know, you do. And so you move on to the next night. Friday night, the Utah Jazz rolling into town, guys. And, Look, another marquee matchup, and like right after that Knicks game, you're like, oh, well, I wish we would have won that because we've got the Jazz and the Nets coming up and the Nuggets, as we'll talk about coming up here tonight, visiting Charlotte. But, you know, Jazz, obviously, we know what they're about the past couple years. They have Donovan Mitchell kind of dominates the scoring. Jordan Clarkson, really good player off the bench. Rudy Gobert, you know, shutting down the paint. Really good team defense, guys. But a game where you got punched in the mouth early. You were down eight points just a couple minutes into the game. But you responded well. If I'm not mistaken, that was the largest lead that Utah had the entire night. It was eight points. It was two minutes into the game, two and a half minutes into the game. So a really good job of battling back from early adversity. You were only down one after the first quarter. You were up three at half. And then you were down one heading to the fourth. You win the fourth by seven points. You win 107 to 101, guys. Just really good job battling back. Good job down the stretch, guys. You had three players with at least 21 points. Mello had 21, Terry with 25, Miles with 26. Whereas Utah, as we mentioned, Donovan Mitchell dominating the scoring, 26 points. He was the only player to go above 19. Clarkson did have 19 coming off the bench. Rudy Gobert grabbed 19 boards, guys, but nobody else on the Jazz had more than five. 
So, I mean, he got his, Rudy got his on the boards. Donovan got his as far as scoring, but obviously Charlotte, you know, wins, wins the game. So obviously you win the scoring margin and you win on the boards guys, Charlotte 45 rebounds as a team to just 38 for Utah. So Rudy Gobert grabbed half the rebounds for Utah. Again, you know, only nine turnovers for the Hornets. You win points in the paint by a margin of 12. It was 52 to 40. So overall, a good game and a good job, again, responding to a loss where, you know, a loss that was not expected. And the thing you don't want it to do is snowball. And I think a couple weeks ago we saw a snowball heading to the All-Star break where, you know, Gordon Hayward got hurt. You lost some games. It became a losing streak. And don't let it snowball. That's what good teams do. They're able to put it behind them and move on to the next game. It's kind of that quarterback mentality after you throw an interception, right? Like next play is the most important. Really good job of responding, guys. And that leads you into Sunday night's game against the Nets, guys. Probably the biggest game of the regular season, honestly. I mean, to this point, at least with eighth place in the East on the line, the tiebreaker for the season with the Nets on the line, which could come back to be really important coming down the home stretch. Kyrie Irving's first home game after they changed the vaccine requirement in New York City, guys. So just so many storylines going into this game. And again, it was a game where you're almost like hesitant because it's like, okay, well, will Charlotte show up for a big game? Like they've laid some eggs this year, but I really think like the big games, honestly, Charlotte's played pretty well in the big games. I mean, the games that have been kind of the head scratching losses were games like a home loss to Orlando, a home loss against Oh, goodness, you know, the Pistons in overtime on the Olenek buzzer beater, a road loss to a bad Rockets team, a loss in a blowout fashion to a bad Kings team. I mean, games like that where you're like, okay, why did we lose that game? But then you win games like back-to-back against the Bucks. You win in Philly against the Sixers. You beat the Warriors. You know, now you've beaten the Nets twice in their building this year. So I do think Charlotte shows up for these big games. And you did it again last night. I mean, and you got to start with LaMelo. He put in 33 points, nine assists, seven boards to lead the way. Miles had 24 and eight. PJ playing really good basketball down the stretch, guys. PJ Washington gave you 18 and 11 with five assists. Had a really nice play on Kevin Durant where he did the uh, the too small, you know, celebration afterwards. Terry had 14. Cody Martin with some huge shots down the stretch, guys. Hit two threes in the uh, closing minutes of the fourth to put it on ice, guys. And again, you made life difficult on the Nets. Kyrie had 16 points after he went for 50 last time out against the Hornets. And I talked about this before, guys. Like, make it hard on them. If they're going to score, make it difficult on them. Like, you have to at least limit them. You're not going to totally shut down Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. They're too good for you to just completely shut them down. But can you give them some resistance? Can you let them not go out and get 50 on 19 shots? It was a really good job of responding to that. And a good job of responding to some adversity where, I mean, Brooklyn hung around. You knew they were going to make a run. They're too good of a team to just roll over, especially in a game of this magnitude. But you made them, you know, they came back, and then you came back on that. You counterpunched when they came back. Really good job by the Hornets last night, guys. You shot the ball well. I mean, shooting was pretty much equal, you know, as far as field goal percentages. Actually, Brooklyn shot a better field goal percentage, 44% to 43%. But Brooklyn, just 7 of 34 from deep, guys, 20.6%. That's what I talked about, where Brooklyn obviously has the firepower to beat you from deep. With KD, Kyrie, Seth Curry, you you know, they got the firepower to beat you from from the three ball. But they really prefer to do mid-range and get to the hoop. Like, they really, if you look at the stats, they aren't a high-volume three-point shooting team. 
and, and I talked about that. Like, just if they're going to beat you from three, make them beat you from three. But you beat them earlier this season in their building by limiting their three-point shooting, and they had a really bad three-point shooting day in that first win. Bad three-point shooting night again last night. It was kind of a the same game plan, if you will. You get the job done. Anytime you hold your opponent to 20.6% shooting from three, you're going to have a good chance to win, guys. And that's exactly what happened. So hats off, guys. A huge victory as you now sit in eighth in the East with the tiebreaker over the Nets, which leads you into this week, guys. And before we kind of preview that, a quick update on how the standings look. So right now you're 39 and 36. You are eight games back of first, guys. You are in eighth right now. So if the season ended this morning, Monday morning, March the 28th, Charlotte would play in Cleveland against the Cavs winner into the playoffs winner. You know, it's you want to get to that eighth spot because it's two chances to win one game. So it'd be Hornets at Cavs Hawks at Nets. And then the loser of Cavs Hornets would take on the winner of Nets Hawks for that final eighth spot. And the winner of Cavs Hornets would get the seventh spot. So, you know, not not that to discount any opponent, but like Cleveland has kind of been struggling as of late. They've had some injury problems. It's not a fantastic matchup for Charlotte because Cleveland has so much size down low, you know, between Jared Allen and, you know, Laurie Markkinen. I mean, they have big guys, Evan Mobley. But, you know, you look at it where one chance, you know, win and you're in. Win and you're in. And, you know, how can you pass that up? Like getting to eighth is so crucial because just – you know, again, increasing your odds of getting into a series, which I think should be the goal. You made the play-in last year, you know, good first step, made the play-in, good job. Now let's build on that, right? So big time, big time win last night to secure that tiebreaker over the Nets, guys. You're now in eighth. Let's go ahead and dive on into what this week has in store for the Hornets. As I mentioned, tonight the Nuggets come to town. Tough matchup, obviously. Where you looked at this three-game stretch, you had the Jazz on Friday at Brooklyn last night, and then the Nuggets here tonight. A tough stretch because you're 2-0 so far. So can you keep that up? Can you keep up momentum? Obviously, anytime the Nuggets are involved, it all comes back to Nikola Jokic, a fantastic player, of course. They played last on Saturday night. They got a win against OKC. So how do you respond? I mean, Jokic, not really a an enormously physical player, like, but he is so skilled as a big man, guys. Like, can you keep up with that? How do you limit Nikola Jokic and make, you know, other guys beat you? But he makes other guys better. He sets up his teammates really well. Just his passes are just insane to watch. So a tough matchup, obviously, tonight. Really intrigued to see, you know, how that one plays out. Wednesday night, you visit Madison Square Garden. You're playing the Knicks again. Is there a revenge factor on your mind? You know, let's get them back. They, they kind of got one on us last week when we feel like they shouldn't have. Let's get one back on them this week. Let's win in their place, which we've already done this season, guys. Miles Bridges had his career high. You know, last time out against the Knicks in their building. So let's see if he has another big game. And then Saturday, a uh, an early game, 12.30 p.m. on Saturday, guys. You take on the Philadelphia 76ers in Philly, guys, a place where you've won already this year. So can you keep that up? Philly's playing really well so far. I mean, I say so far, like, you know, coming down the home stretch, season's almost over. But, you know, they've played fantastic. Uh, Joel Embiid was my pick preseason for MVP he's squarely in the discussion for that James Harden has regressed a little bit this season but obviously he's still capable of putting up points in bunches so a tough matchup but a place where you've already won so let's see how you respond guys but Nuggets in town tonight at Knicks Wednesday night at Philly on Saturday afternoon and you'll be pretty well rested because again Thursday and Friday you're off so you'll have two days of rest heading into that Philly game how do you respond guys 
three really intriguing matchups coming on the docket this week. All right, guys, that wraps it up for this portion of the episode. As I mentioned, stay tuned. We have a fantastic guest interview coming up. Desmond Novak, founder, co-host of the Sports Report with Desmond and Liam. So, guys, you don't want to miss it. A fantastic interview as we dive into NBA playoffs. We talk Hornets. We talk finals picks, playoff predictions. We talk Hornets Nets. We talk Hornets Knicks. Really, really good conversation. So be sure to stay tuned for that, guys. If you're not already, follow us on social media. Twitter, we are at underscore bring the sting. Instagram, we are at bring the sting, guys. Thank you all so much for tuning in, for listening, for following along. Couldn't be anything without you guys as our listeners. So we are always thankful for that, guys. Thank you much. Until next Monday, go Hornets. Welcome, everybody. We are very excited for a special guest to join the Bring the Sting podcast. This week, we have Desmond, who's a host of the Sports Report with Liam and Desmond. Desmond, how are you, my man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, man. Thank you so much for making the time. I am super excited. we got a, a really good uh, outline of topics to dive into on this week's episode. we got a lot going on, obviously. We're right in the, uh, the tail end of the NBA season, the home stretch, if you will, coming down. Uh, with seeding, you know, feels like it's changing in every single game, every single night, you know, is crucial and every game really matters and is amplified at this point of the season. But Desmond, before we really dive into that, which we will go ahead and tell the folks uh, kind of just what's your background? I mean, how'd you get into basketball? How'd you get into starting your podcast? Uh, what's the story behind that? All right. So, I mean, I've always been into sports. My dad watches the Giants every weekend. We'd always make try to watch Knicks games as often as possible. But I really didn't get hardcore into sports probably until around 2016, 2017-ish. And that's when I, I didn't get on Twitter until about 2018, 2019. But that's when I started you know, reaching out to more people who were interested in it and really learning more about the history of sports and how, how really just how they work. But um, as for the podcast, so um, I, I'm going to college right now at SUNY Plattsburgh, so is Liam. And our college, one of the main factors in me coming here was that they had a student-run radio station. So me and Liam met each other. We had all for the same major, so we have all the same classes and all that. And we started talking, and then we both decided, hey, we should do a show together. So we did. And after the first semester, I was like, you know, because – we discovered that you can record the show like on, on the computer in the one lounge. So I was like, you know, like we can turn this into a podcast. If you want to put it on Spotify, I can put it on YouTube. So we both, you know, decided that that was a, a good, good uh, idea to do. So ever since then, I believe we're on our ninth episode recording the 10th on Monday. And yeah, on the show, we really just, we talk about all different kinds of sports. We dive in mostly, mostly football and basketball good amount on baseball and every now and then depending on how big the news are we'll get into hockey but yeah that's that's basically that's basically my background in sports that's awesome man you love to hear it and you love you know you and I are very similar in the sense that like we're passionate about sports and then also like producing content based on those sports right like my own personal background and it's interesting actually I really haven't dove into it a whole lot on my show like how did I actually become a Hornets fan you know why did I start the Bring the Sting podcast? But, you know, I'm originally from South Carolina. It's, South Carolina is interesting. It's very much a, like, sports are a big deal there. Yeah. But it's very much more collegiate sports than pro. I mean, there's no pro teams in the in the state of South Carolina. The Horn, I live in Charlotte now, but the Hornets are mm. the closest NBA team. So, 
that's, I mean, not the most interesting story, but that's how I became a Hornets fan and then living here as well. Um, but then as far as collegiate sports, you know, in South Carolina, it's either South Carolina Gamecocks or Clemson Tigers. Like yeah. everybody is one or the other. And, and that's who you ride or die with. Uh, Atlanta Braves, I would say for baseball, and then the Panthers for football, sort of, you know. Yeah. Uh, but then you get a lot of people, you know, your your Giants fans or just other, you know, the Steelers, the Cowboys, you know, these people who either moved from other cities or their parents rooted for that team or they just saw them on TV and they liked them. I mean, my favorite player as a kid was Peyton Manning, so I liked the Colts, <laughs> you know, until he left the Colts, and now I'm kind of a, you know, I keep up with NFL, but. The Hornets are who I ride or die with as far as pro sports. And then starting my podcast as well, you know, uh, hats off. First off, congratulations on episode 10 getting recorded tomorrow. Thank you. And uh, making progress. Yeah, this is actually episode 32 for Bring the Sting. And it's wild to think about, like, last summer it was just an idea. And I remember, you know, making the logo and making the first episode. Like, I recorded a trailer uh, that was like a minute long, I think it was. Um, and, And just to see, you know, 32 episodes now, I mean, it's, you know, upward and onward for here but from here but you know every milestone is worth celebrating so congratulations on that sure thank you awesome to link up with you know similar minded people which i can definitely tell you and i are yeah absolutely awesome yeah so uh, as you mentioned your show uh before we dive in uh kind of quickly like what what do you guys really cover i know you talked like basketball football like specific teams the new york area teams generally or or kind of what's your uh special kind of topics that you guys really dive into on a weekly basis usually we try to dive into general sports like obviously i'm a giants fan i'm a knicks fan mets fan they're all in my twitter bio but um i'll have my own segments where i'll talk about my teams where it's more opinionated on outside of when we're doing our general talk but yeah for the most part we do general usually depending on what happens i'll have a little segment at the beginning of each topic where i'll talk about my team like last last episode i believe i was talking started our NBA segment off talking about the Knicks and how I feel about them. Yeah, it's really, and then I like doing stuff like that. I like, you know, diving into more of aspects on different teams as opposed to just focusing all on one, which is also, it's very fun to do. So obviously that's why I have my Giants and Knicks segments. Right. But yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah. So big time New York sports and man, the Knicks, it's almost like, you know, I'm a Hornets fan at heart. Right. But like I root for, former Hornets. So Kimba, I like to see him do well. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I got a couple of the Knicks guys on my fantasy team, actually it's playoffs this week. So I'm rooting for Julius Randall uh, I'm rooting for Mitchell Robinson. It's got to come through for me. So <laughs> I, had uh, for a while. I was like streaming him in and out of my lineup as well. Yeah. Uh, it's been, it's my first season doing fantasy basketball. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I did uh, a couple of leagues last year, but I wasn't able to organize one this year. So I've just yeah. been on the sideline for that. Right, right. Very cool. Well, yeah, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive on into uh, some basketball talk here. First up on the agenda, uh, NBA playoffs, as I mentioned, right around the corner, uh, looking like the Hornets will at least be a play-in team uh, for the playoffs. The Knicks, I think are still mathematically alive, but I'm not sure, you know, probably unlikely at this point. Yeah, I think it's fair yeah, to say unlikely they're, they're, they're mathematically in, but we're like five game games behind the Hawks. Who I think it would have to be like Atlanta right just loses, loses every game win. the rest of the yeah. way. Yeah. So just overall, like, how do you see the playoffs unfolding? Who you got coming out of the East and the West and, and who do you think's hot? Who do you think's going to take it all this year? Uh, I mean, as of right now, I have, 
probably the Bucks and the Suns both in the finals. But it to me, if if both Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. can come back at full health and full strength, I can very easily see the, the Nuggets going very far and possibly making a run. But again, it all depends on their health and how they play. But I could see a lot of things happening because it's very weird because like the, the Miami Heat have been the one seed for a good amount of time now. We're seeing them start to fall. They've lost, I think, four in a row now. The Celtics got a really rough start to the season of one of ridiculous amount of games recently. It's been a very, very interesting season, to say the least. I could see, I think when me and my friends discussed it the other day, I think I had Milwaukee and Boston in the conference finals. I'm not even entirely sure if that's possible. I was just thinking off the top of my head. But if that were, if it were possible, that's probably who my picks would be with my sleeper being the, being Philadelphia, of course, I just I want to see how Harden performs in the playoffs because obviously that's going to determine a lot for that team. But yeah, I mean, it, again, it's just it's a very very interesting playoffs. The playing, I mean, there's still very good teams in the playing. The Nets, I believe, are in the playing right now. The Bulls, the the Hornets, the um, the Hawks, all these very good and talented teams that could make a run coming out of the play-in, especially same out West where you have the Lakers who are, I believe are the last seed in the play-in right now. You know, if, if AD comes back and Westbrook can somewhat remember to play basketball, even though he has been playing somewhat well recently, they could, they could even make a run, but. Yeah. I'd like you my- mentioned, it is so deep this year. And that's yeah. one thing that, you know, I'm with you. I think Phoenix is coming out of the West, but you could make a You could, you know, if you sat me down and tried to convince me of, Denver or, you know, even, you know, Memphis or, or Golden State, yeah. I could be convinced. I just think Phoenix, I think Phoenix with the caveat of a healthy Chris Paul, if Chris Paul yeah, is absolutely. ready to go and it is the Chris Paul that we know, I, I think with, with Booker playing the way he is, everybody knows their role on that team. It's not like this positionless basketball. I'm not saying that positionless is bad, but you know, yeah. you have a, a pretty traditional big man with DeAndre Ayton. Doesn't really stretch the floor a whole lot. He's not handling the ball a lot. He just goes in the post and does work. You know, you have your three and D wing types, your Jay Crowder, you know. Mikhail some, Bridges. Yeah, Bridges. And then Booker and CP3 complement each other so well. And I just think they kind of have that. It's hard to really put like a, a, a technical analysis on it, but like a, I mean, the way they lost last year, they're up 2-0 kind of just like that drive to get revenge on that. And then yeah, in the absolutely. East, man, I'm with you. The only reason I don't want to say Bucks Suns is for the simple fact that that was the matchup last year. And, and yeah. I just feel like, you know, I know we had the the four straight years of Cavs Warriors, but that was so, so much different because Golden State was so stacked and the Cavs had LeBron and the East was not very good at that time. But the Bucks are kind of like somehow – an underrated team, even though they just won the championship last year in the East, because I have it pulled up now they're in fourth or essentially, I guess Boston has the tiebreaker on them at the moment, Yeah, but they're a half game out of first. So Philly, Miami, Boston, and Milwaukee are separated by a half game one through four. That's crazy. And Milwaukee, it's, it's just been this thing where it's either, you know, Philly with the big trade to bring Harden in Brooklyn with KD Kyrie and now Ben Simmons, uh, yeah. The Cavs surprised a lot of people. The Heat and the Bulls have been surprising some people. So Milwaukee is a really good, boring team. I think that's yeah. the simplest way. No, I, I agree. And the personalities on that team are not as strong as the personalities on Brooklyn and Philly. Like Giannis is obviously a fantastic player, but he's not 
you know, he's not like as learning, big of a like person. Learning French to trash talk like Kevin Durant did with Evan Fournier. Right, 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 right. And so Milwaukee, I think, could do it. If 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 not Milwaukee, you know, I think I like Boston. And, and I know they haven't really been in that situation before. But like you said, they've been so good as of late. Yeah. I mean, they've won five in a row. If you look at – I don't have the numbers, you know, off of top of head right now. But just like their net rating, their record over – I get really since like the turn of the calendar, like since 2022 started – it, it's just been mind-blowing. And Jason Tate yeah. and Jalen Brown, I mean, they, they brought Daniel Tice back in, made some, like, good underrated moves at the deadline. Derek I White. I, I love yeah, the Derek, Derek White, White. for them. Uh, Udoka, Ime Udoka, the new coach, I think has done fantastic with them. Yeah, he was, he's was he been tremendous. I mean, the best part about their team has been their defense. But when you have a team of Marcus Smart, who's an all-NBA defender, uh, Jalen Brown, who's a great defender, Jason Tatum, who's an elite defender, Al Horford, who's not – necessarily what it used to be defensively but he's still very solid on that end. and then Robert Williams who I cannot believe how well he's been on that end right I thought I because me and my my cousin Jameson he's a Celtics fan and we've always debated between him and Mitchell Robinson and Robert Williams definitely took the jump that I expected Mitchell Robinson to take not saying Mitchell didn't take a jump because he's been pretty pretty great this year but Robert Williams has definitely defined his spot in this league as a very very good defensive center yeah absolutely and so really the only hesitation I would have on Boston is because, I mean, they have the experience. They're in the playoffs, you know, every year. So they have a few years experience now. I think it really just come playoff time when it comes to, okay, you have to beat your opponent four times in seven tries, like four times in two weeks, essentially, yeah. to advance. And I think it really benefit like just who has the best player and I know it doesn't sound very complex but like if they match up with Milwaukee Giannis is still the best player between those two teams absolutely so it's going to be really hard to it's very difficult to win a series against a team who has the best player you know you do see it sometimes but if you have the best player you have a puncher's chance at least and so I think that's why that's kind of like the feather in the cap of Milwaukee and it's kind of what, you know, I look at it with like the Hornets in the seedings, you know, I'm, I know we're going to talk a little bit of Hornets, you know, they're, they're ninth right now. And this game tonight against Brooklyn is huge because yeah. Brooklyn's a game up Brooklyn's an eighth and the winner of this game gets the tiebreaker. It's the third and final matchup and they've split the first two. Yeah. So with the Hornets, like if the season ended, you know, literally right now and like tonight's games didn't even occur, they're in ninth right now, Atlanta's 10th. So Atlanta would come to Charlotte for a play in game. You know, Atlanta is capable, like, you know, it's been kind of a back and forth thing. Like Trey Young, I still think I would give him the edge over LaMelo slightly. But I mean, yeah. you know, I, th I think it's just very interesting to see like where the ideal spot is for Charlotte. Eight, I mean, eighth is ideal because you get two chances to win one game. Yeah. But ninth, I mean, you have a home game just. You know, it'll be fascinating coming down the stretch to see are they eighth, are they ninth, are they tenth? How do they finish the season? Brooklyn has Kyrie now, so you know, personally, I expect them to at least hold on to eighth, if not climb up a little bit. But yeah. how do you kind of see the bottom part of the Eastern Conference playing out? Uh, I mean, obviously, the Nets, are, the Nets are probably the most, if I had to say, definite team to make it out of there. But it'll be really interesting if the Hawks were to play, to play the Hornets because obviously the Hawks went all the way to the conference finals last year, and this is a very 
very young Hornets team who has not none of those players have released in the playoffs yet, none of the young, young core, at least besides like Terry Rozier. But it'll be very interesting because it, the Hawks definitely haven't have been a little disappointing, I'd say, in the regular season, because obviously if you make the conference finals, you are kind of expected to not be in the play in. But yeah, I'd say right now, I, my, if I had to pick two to make it out, it would be definitely the Nets. I think no matter who the Nets play, they're probably going to make it out. And then, which is so interesting between the Hawks and the Hornets, because it, it can swing both ways so easily. It really it just depends on how the Hornets young core really um, adjusts to playing in the playoffs, which they could all very easily play well, like we've seen Terry Rozier become the hero in Boston or some could fall under the pressure, but I believe I'll give the slight edge to the Hawks now be only because of experience. Right. But if, if Charlotte can, if their young core can, can continue to play as they have in the regular season, I can see them swinging it very easily. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of, you know, the, the Hornets have not made a big like splashy acquisition this year, but they've made two, what I would say were very, nice pickups one was trading for Montrez Harrell at the deadline so they traded Ish Smith and Vernon Carey and then a second round pick uh, for Montrez Harrell to the Wizards now Ish Smith kind of in and out of the rotation I mean he he was more in the rotation at the beginning of the season and then he had a fantastic game when the Lakers came to town he was you know went for over 20 points and that was pretty much the last thing he did with the Hornets so he was you know, good locker room guy, not, I, I think, an enormous loss. And then Vernon Carey was pretty much in the G League the entire season. And now you get Trez, who has been playing like small ball five for us, because that's kind of been the issue. Like Mason Plumley's the starting center. He's yeah. been playing better as of late, but at the beginning of the season, he was catching heat. I mean, he... I, yeah, I remember well seeing a lot of Hornets fans being not very happy with Yeah, him. and I think it's it's almost like not fair to him because he's not he was being asked to be something that he is not. And you just imagine like not even an elite center, but just like a, you know, cause I wouldn't call like Rashawn Holmes or Miles Turner or Mo Bamba elite. I mean, they're good players. They're better than yeah. Mason Plumley, I think. And they would fit better, but Plumley, I think was being asked to do something that he just wasn't capable of doing. He's been playing really well recently. I actually was at the game last Monday. They played the Pelicans and he, mm. you know, had some really nice passes, made a couple clutch buckets down the stretch. He's provides size, which they really don't have a whole lot of size beyond him that gets in the rotation. So getting Trez was big. And then they signed Isaiah Thomas, who is just, you know, in the G League for a little bit and was kind of bouncing around and has really found a home here. Got two 10-day contracts and then is yeah. now signed for the rest of the year. He hadn't even played in every game. Like, there's some games he doesn't play, but just his – his energy, his leadership. And like you say, like he's been there and that does mean something for a team where you have LaMelo ball who, you know, we had the play in last year against Indiana and just got crushed. I mean, it wasn't even close. And to have a veteran, like an adult in the room, like Isaiah, and you add on top of that, like he's had some good performances. He's come off the bench and, and, you know, he can still shoot the rock. Like he didn't forget how to play basketball just because he was injured and, and bounced around. So I'm really glad because I think he's one of those guys who, like no matter who your team is, you root for him, you know. So yeah. very good acquisitions. But, yeah, it's an interesting point. Right now, 
you know, like I said, it would be the nine ten would be Charlotte, Atlanta, Cleveland is seventh right now. So Brooklyn would go to Cleveland. Ooh. You know, if I was choosing right now, I think Brooklyn would win that. And then yeah. so it would be the Hawks Hornets winner against Cleveland. So, I mean, Charlotte, I think is going to have to win two straight games to get into a series, but you know, Cleveland's kind of been on a little bit of a backslide the past couple of weeks. I don't hate that matchup, although they have so much size. It's really not a yeah. great matchup for Charlotte on paper. Yeah, I mean, the Cavs started off the year very hot and they've kind of begun to fall down. But it'll be that'll be a really good matchup regardless of who comes out because it's just two very young and inexperienced teams with very exciting players like Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, then obviously for the Hornets, you have Lamelo, Bridges, um, uh, Kelly Oubre, uh, Terry Rozier. You have all these very young guys. Well, I mean, Oubre, what's Oubre right now? About 27, I think? 27? Yeah, he's he's been around, I believe, 27, um, somewhere yeah. in that range. I can look it up, but a but young still, player, very... but not, you know, not old. He's kind of entering his prime. Exactly. Yeah. So two, just two very overall young teams with a good mix of veterans in between that. Again, it's it's just like the the Atlanta and Charlotte. It could swing either way. Right. But I don't know. It's very, I just pulled it up, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's very. They're they're two very fun to watch teams. I if if the Cavs are unable to pick it up towards the end of the season, I I could see Charlotte winning that, but. Yeah, it'll it's it just regardless, it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch. Right. Yeah, man, I, I'm I'm stoked. You know, playoffs, it's like my favorite time of the year, games every yeah. night. It's kind of like yeah, obviously the anticipation grows as you get closer to the finals, but in a way, it's also kind of like bittersweet because you know, the games aren't as often like you're used to watching games every night, and then it's games every other night, and then it's you know, one game every three days or whatever. And then before you know it, it's the off season. So yeah. You know, definitely got to like cherish it while we still have it. Uh, want to recap really quickly Hornets and Knicks played this past week. Knicks came to Charlotte and Knicks, Knicks did a number on the Hornets, man. Knicks, Knicks get yeah. a win 121 106 in a game that I think a lot of people thought Charlotte would be able to win. They were on a, a bit of a winning streak. New York was on the second leg of a back to back and really just went off from three. I mean, that was, yeah, you know, I they mean, shot 44% from three. RJ Barrett puts up 30 points. Yeah, so he's good showing from tremendous. the Knicks. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I was not able to watch this game. I had a lot going on that day, but I obviously I looked and saw the stats and even besides RJ dropping 30, which is gladly enough become something that is kind of not necessarily regular, but you watch and you're like, Oh yeah. Like not the most surprising thing, but the thing that number one thing that stood out when I watched was how Obi did. Because uh, this Randall had missed this game, and I believe Obi put up eleven, like eighteen points, eleven rebounds, six assists. Yeah. Which, especially the playmaking, that really surprised me. But I mean, at the same time, I wasn't because you see when Obi gets to play extended minutes, just how well he plays. So to be able to sit down and look at these stats and just again see how well these young guys play, it makes it a little more uh, aggravating that Tom Thibodeau hasn't turned didn't turn to them earlier in the season. But at the same time, you can't get mad at a win. So definitely, definitely a good game. I believe we just beat Detroit. I, I, I had, like I told you before, I, I was busy today. So yeah, but got to hold up 104-102. I saw a bunch of people yeah, tweeting yeah. about Alec Burke. So I feel like maybe he, he might have hit a game winner, but I don't know. I'll, I'll probably end up finding out in a bit. But yeah, I go. mean, let's pull it up. <laughs> 
but I don't think we're going to be in the play in as unfortunate as it is. And I, I kind of don't want to, because I don't want to watch my team get swamped in the playoffs again, but I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, I, I've said in the podcast many times the moves I want the Knicks to make in the offseason. Do I think they'll happen? Probably not. But as as a Knicks fan, there are a lot of moves I want to be want to see made in the right. offseason. So I got it pulled up real quick and then, yeah, I'll dive in. Uh, Alec Burks hit a three with 45 seconds left to make it a four okay. point game. They're up one. He made it a four point game. And then. Detroit had a shot to tie at the very end, but Alec Burks blocked Cade Cunningham with three oh, seconds wow. left, and that pretty much ended the game. Wow, that's actually surprising because so, not only is Burks like not an ideal defender, he, Cade also has a good amount of height on him. So good for good for Burks. Good for Burks. He's been he was a very solid role player for us uh, last season, but the move to, uh, Thibodeau made of putting him at point guard has definitely. Uh, made him a bit worse in a way because he's not used to running in the point guards, not used to being a facilitator. So at times it looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. And honestly, he probably doesn't as much as I do hate to say it, but that's just what happens when you take a guy who's used to be used to being a spot up shooter and making him a point guard. But right. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think, you know, in a way it's not the exact same situation, but like last year, Terry had to play a lot of uh, backup point or like point LaMelo, you know, uh, got injured last year. So he broke his wrist. And so Terry had to yeah. handle the ball a lot more and he's naturally more of a two guard, you know, plays off the ball. So anytime you're made to be out of position, it, you know, it definitely, you know, shows, I mean, that's not like his natural role. Uh, yeah. And yeah, like, that's interesting. You mentioned the Knicks. I know I've seen on Twitter and just kind of in general, like the big kind of, the, the beef that fans have had is that Tibbs kind of plays the veteran guys a lot more than the young guys. Like, yes, for instance, like he'll play like a Taj Gibson over Obi Toppin and yep. fan, you know, it's like, what are we doing here? What, why, you know, just kind of doesn't really add up. Uh, can you kind no, of speak to that? Like from a Knicks fan perspective. Oh, absolutely. I love talking about this because it's to the point where I don't even think that the front office knows what they want to do or what this team is, because I was so sure that at, at the trade deadline that we were at least going to be see, seeing Alec Burks and get moved and maybe the releasing or trade of Taj Gibson to free up minutes for guys like Miles McBride, for guys like Jericho Sims and even Cam Reddish, who is now out for the year, but at the time was struggling to get minutes and to see them not make a single move in either way of either trading away young guys for veterans to improve and make a playoff push or trading away veterans to uh, free up room for the young guys. It just didn't really make a lot of sense to me. I, I was very confident in the front office uh, last year and even towards the beginning of this year, but I'm losing more faith in them. But Tibbs has not, obviously he has not been nearly as good as he was last year, but his number one issue, which has been a lot better as the year has gone on is his reluctance to play the young guys. Like there were the starting lineup of Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, RJ, Randall, and and Mitchell. It wasn't working. And he just, he would never change it until obviously he decided to bench Kemba for the rest of the season, but then brought him back and then benched him again, which shows a little bit of dysfunctionality, I guess you could say. I mean, obviously you can't put him back on the bench right away after he comes back and drops 40 and then has a triple double. But it's just the fact that, again, it's just dysfunctionality, it seems like. I don't know what to really expect anymore. I've said on the show, I, I obviously, I kind of want Thibodeau gone. 
but there's reports saying that he's likely to return. I don't really know how I feel about that. I'd say maybe I'll give it half a season of next year. And if we're still in the same boat where he's not playing the young guys that need to be played and we're struggling, you got to get rid of him at that point. But the number one move I do want to see is Randall to be traded. He's not really good for the development of the young guys. He's definitely not good for the development of Obi. Um, it's just his play, his style of play. If he's not hitting his shots, I've said this before, Randall is the most painful player to watch in the NBA if he's not hitting his shots just because he's slow. He doesn't create space off moves. He doesn't really – when he goes to the basket is when he plays his best, but he doesn't do it anymore like he used to. But he just – he tries to rely on difficult shots far too often to the point where he'll be wide open, but he'll pump fake and you know, like jab step to try and make, take a moving contested shot to the point where I don't – I question his IQ at points, but – Obviously, I have full respect for all these guys, but at the same time, watching this team, it, it's become very painful. So, yeah, if I did, if I did it to really close it out with a couple things, trade Randall and give Tibbs half half the season next year to improve. Yeah, no, that's interesting to get that perspective. I, I feel like, I mean, it's not totally apples to apples, but some of those same frustrations, I don't think I personally share them about the Hornets, but like a certain a certain segment of Hornets fans have said similar things about James Borrego because he, you know, so this is his fourth year here. Now he took over, I mean, it was a rebuild, uh, you know, full rebuild, like call it for what it is, but he came in the 2018, 19 season was his first year. And then 2019, 20, obviously got short, uh, got cut short by COVID. That was the first year without Kimba. It was kind of just, you know, there were like no expectations for that season, really. And then yeah. you get into last year, they get LaMelo, you know, maybe outperformed expectations a little bit. They're actually outperforming expectations this year based on their over under win total, yeah. which was set at 38 and a half, I believe. And they're 38 wow. and 36 right now. So, I mean, if they win one more game the rest of the season, they'll hit the over on the win total, which I thought they would. I thought it'd be like slightly over, um, which looks like it's about to, about to hit, but that being said, you know, there are some frustrations with his style as far as he, he's kind of old school. You know, he was an assistant in San Antonio under Greg Popovich for a while. So he's yeah. kind of got some of that Popovich Spurs kind of coaching in him. The, the real big thing for a lot of people is a rookie, James Booknight. He was the 11th pick out of UConn. And we lost Devontae Graham to the Pelicans. We lost Malik Monk to the Lakers. So a lot of people, myself included, thought, okay, we lose Monk, we lose Graham, but we got Book Knight. He'll kind of fill their shoes, you know, and you add Kelly Oubre. So, like, that that's the replacements. And Book Knight has done some good things when he's gotten the chance. Like, we had a stretch in December where a lot of the rotation went into the COVID protocol. It was back when, like, half the league was in the COVID protocol. Yeah. Uh, and so Book Knight had to play, and he was our leading scorer. He actually scored 24 points. We beat the Kings here in Charlotte. Um, and he had some other good games as well, done some good stuff in the G League, but it's been so inconsistent. Then there was an incident a few weeks ago. They were playing the Heat here in Charlotte, and he got into a verbal altercation with Borrego on the bench. Really? He wow. ended up getting sent to the locker room in the middle of a game. We ended up getting our butts kicked. It was like it was a close <laughs> game at the half. The third quarter, I think we scored eight points in the third quarter, and, and we got our butts kicked. And and Book Knight went to the locker, you know, 
called it a night early. Yeah. Then he had this neck soreness injury that was kind of vague. No one really knew what it was. It kind of seemed like it came out of nowhere. Uh, and I- I'm not like a conspiracy theorist or anything. I mean, I think he <laughs> was hurt. But a, there were people on Twitter saying, like, oh, neck soreness, that's very convenient that he has that. He's out of the rotation. They're trying to save yeah. face with this. And so it's very interesting. Like, a lot of people have have given grief to Borrego about that because he'll play, like, Cody Martin, who doesn't have as high of a ceiling as Booknight, but he's a better yeah. defender. He's been in Charlotte for a couple years now like plays his butt off every second he's on the court, you know what you're going to get out of Cody Martin. Yeah. Uh, Cody Martin was a really good three point shooter this year before he went into COVID protocol and struggled mightily afterwards, but he's kind of regaining his form a little bit. And then once you sign Isaiah Thomas, it's like the guard spot off the bench is gone. So yeah, that's kind of been the main thing. And then the rotations as well, there'll be times where, you know, like LaMelo's minutes aren't as high as some people think they should be, or just like situationally where, you know, he'll sit LaMelo for a while, and then he comes in and it's kind of too little too late. I'm not going to nitpick. Like, I do think he's a good coach. I'm not going to say he's, like, a perfect coach or, you know, even, like, a top five coach or anything. I'm, I'm just kind of down the middle on it. But to your point, I think it's a lot of the same frustrations that people have with Tibbs. Like, those who have frustrations with Borrego, it's kind of the same frustrations yeah, that people yeah. have with tips, like that old school my way or the highway type of coach. Yeah. Tibbs is definitely like you said, old school, my way, the highway, because he's obviously a very stubborn coach. You can tell by how little he changes the uh, rotation, but yeah, I mean, like I said, trade Randall, give Tibbs half the season. If not, if nothing improves, let him go bring in an assistant off the bench. I would say Kenny Payne, but he's now, I believe, coaching Illinois. No, not no, not Illinois. I, I can I can't remember who he's coaching now off the top of my head, but I know he's co- coaching a big college team. Very proud of him for that. But yeah, that's I think that's all I gotta say for now. Yeah, it's interesting. And you know, I'm not sure what is are you aware of Tibbs um contract status? Oh if I had to guess, I'd say I think he has maybe after next season or the year after, I believe. Have to look it up. Yeah, that's interesting. Like Borrego just got an extension last year, so I don't. Yeah. Like unless the ship just totally crashes and burns, I don't think anything is going to happen. And I think I'm not saying there's no room for criticism. Like I don't want it to be insulated. You know, you can't criticize the coach, but like yeah, asking for him to be fired after every game we lose is also not really beneficial i don't think like there's better ways to vent your frustrations about the team's performance than oh fire the coach you know or or trade you know whoever like for a while it was gordon hayward and now he's been hurt again unfortunately so he's kind of almost like fallen out of the minds of people but he was pretty inconsistent and so every time he had a poor game it was like oh trade gordon hayward you know and again i don't think any player well i'll take that back there are certain players who are untouchable. Like I would not trade LaMelo ball, you know, but if the right deal was on the table and Gordon Hayward had to be a part of the deal, you know, let's look into it, but you also don't want to trade him for, you know, pennies on the dollar. Like he's still a good player. 
again, he's valuable to this Hornets team because everybody's so young. And that's yeah. what was important when they signed him. And the timing of it was they signed him before LaMelo's rookie year so that LaMelo wasn't asked to just totally put an entire franchise on his back and play for a bad team. Like yeah. Gordon, I've always said this, he, he's the kind of player who elevates your floor, but he might not raise your ceiling yeah. a whole lot. It's like yeah, you, you won't right. be awful with him on your team. You'll be at least respectably good. He's not going to make you a championship team. No, no. But yeah, I agree. He'll make you a, a tough out, like a good team. And, and that's valuable when you have young guys. Sure. Cool. So we kind of got a little uh, off what we had scripted there, but good talks. Um, <laughs> I know big game tonight that I mentioned, uh, Hornets in Brooklyn taking on the Nets. Perfect timing for Charlotte as Kyrie Irving will be playing his Oof. first home game of the year. So, you know, just our luck that we get Kyrie as well. He just dropped 50 on us a couple weeks ago when they came to Charlotte on 19 shots. So, I mean, just – Yeah, no, that – that I actually – I watched I watched the first half of that game, and it was pretty ridiculous watching him play. Gosh, it's – it's you know, you almost think like 50 points. I know like Kobe had 50 – or he had 60 in his last game, but it was 50 shots. You know, a lot of times yeah. it's like volume, but it was like – I mean, obviously, you have to have some volume to get to 50, but the efficiency you know, he had, yeah. it was just bizarre. But that's, my God. 50 on 19 shots is unheard of. Right. Uh, so I actually wrote the – real quick plug. I'm a site expert for a site called Swarm and Sting. So it's the fi- uh, fan-sided website for the Hornets. Uh, I wrote the preview article for tonight's game. And one of the keys I mentioned, it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but I want to explain it a little bit, was to force Brooklyn into taking threes because Brooklyn is the second highest mid-range scoring team in the league. They score, you know, I forget the exact stat, but Chicago was the only other team who scores like a better percentage of their points from mid-range than Brooklyn. And then Brooklyn, you know, obviously they have the firepower to make threes, but they they don't really take a whole lot. And so my philosophy behind that was like, make them take tough threes. And if they, if they beat you from three, you live with it. But like the first time Charlotte played Brooklyn this year, Brooklyn was terrible from three and Charlotte ended up winning the game in Brooklyn. Yeah. So I think like that's the blueprint they should follow tonight, but Kyrie back obviously scares me. (laughs) They have KD still. So you obviously, you know, arguably the best player in the league, uh, then you have, you know, the size down low, like Andre Drummond, Nick Claxton, uh, just tough, tough matchup. How do you kind of see this one playing out? And does Charlotte have a chance to get a win tonight? I believe Charlotte definitely has a chance to win. But again, like you said, it's going to be very, very tough because it's very hard to make Kyrie and Kevin Durant play poorly, almost impossible, especially for Kevin Durant. But you basically just have to try, just try to contain them as much as you can. Like you're not going to be able to stop them, but you have to try to contain them. Stop Kyrie from dropping 50 again. Stop KD from scoring 40, 50, which is obviously possible, but I don't know. I mean, I, is Seth Curry playing tonight? Do you, do you know if he's playing tonight? I'm actually not sure. I had seen him listed as questionable. Let me pull that up mm. real quick uh, and make sure, because I mean, he's obviously another sharpshooter. If you're going to say, yeah. Hey, make him take threes. Like, Let's make sure he's not the guy taking those threes. Absolutely. But, I mean, if 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 Seth isn't available to play tonight, it'll definitely be a lot better because it, then you can force him to take more threes because, obviously, I mean, who do they have in that lineup? Patty Mills, who's been struggling recently. Bruce 
Brown, who as much as I, I I'm a huge Bruce Brown fan, he's definitely not the best three point shooter. But yeah, I, I definitely agree with your forcing with your idea on forcing them to, to shoot threes because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are two of the best mid range scorers in the in the NBA. Right. Uh, I have Bruce Brown in fantasy playoffs tonight, so maybe <laughs> if he does well and everybody else struggles and Charlotte wins, yeah, we'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so while I'm pulling up uh, Seth Curry, I actually found another couple pieces that we had mentioned. Uh, Tibbs' contract, he's in year two of a five-year deal. Ooh. Wow, three more after this. I thought it was. Yeah, uh, Kenny Payne is now the coach of Louisville. Right. Louisville Cardinals. Uh, so, yeah, a few there. Then I was trying to find – okay, here's Gordon Hayward's contract. That's always what people bring up. Real quick, I'll, I'll touch on yeah. that. It's like, oh, he's so overpaid. And look, like – is he paid? Yeah, like he's probably a little bit overpaid, but like Charlotte yeah. always has to overpay for people because it's not a free agent destination. Like, let's face reality. We're not the Lakers. Okay, we're not the Miami Heat or even the Knicks, you know, yeah. where, where free agents are going to go at a discount rate. So we got to pay a premium. We call it like the Charlotte tax, you know, to get guys. <laughs> so you're paying the Charlotte tax. But if you look at the guys around him, as far as average salary, you know, he's 32nd highest in the league, you know. 31st is Chris Paul. Okay, he's worth it. D'Angelo Russell is 30th, 29th. CJ McCollum, 28th. Kevin Love, uh, 27th is Jokic. Obviously, he's worth it. Uh, 26th, Andrew Wiggins. Uh, you know, right behind Gordon Hayward is Jamal Murray, who's obviously been hurt. Yeah. Brandon Ingram is 34th. De'Aaron Fox, you know. So, I mean, even Al Horford is like the 39th highest paid player. So, He's overpaid, but he's not like the only person. Who's it's not the worst. It's not the worst right. contract, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even a guy like I mean, I think of Tobias Harris, who's really a good player, but he's like the 13th highest paid player in the league. That's yeah. Like, uh, that's bad. Right. You know, or even I hate it for him, but like John Wall, who hasn't played. When was the last time he played? He's the third yeah. highest paid player. So. Right. Um. While we look up Seth Curry's status for tonight, yeah, like you mentioned the firepower that Brooklyn has and they're so deep Do you think about even guys like we don't know if Simmons will be back but like they signed Goran Dragic who I've always thought was a really solid player like not quite a star but like just when he's coming off your bench you know you have Seth Curry as a a marksman Joe Harris out for the year so that is that is significant for them because he's a nice player Uh, but tough matchup I think the line opened it was nets by seven that might have changed since i wrote my article because we we talk on we talk about the over under and you know whether charlotte will cover uh as well and seven i mean that's tough because it's so much like you could be down by like six and then you know you're trying to foul to stop clock and there's like a backdoor cover for the nets or something but yeah you know it'll be interesting to see last time we beat them in brooklyn miles bridges went off Lamelo had a good game. Terry actually didn't play in that game. Uh, he was hurt really? to start the year. Yeah, so we'll see. It'll be very interesting. I, I, I want to say I, I like our chances with how we've been playing lately, but Brooklyn's been playing really well lately too. So I, I did predict us to lose the game. I don't think that's like a hot take or anything. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is the third preview article I've written since becoming the site expert. And I've been wrong on both of them. I predicted us to, to lose to the Mavericks. They came to town last weekend and we won. I predicted us to beat the Knicks and obviously we lost. Yeah. So I picked us to lose, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, hey, maybe I just guaranteed a victory. Who knows? 
Maybe. I mean, again, it really just depends on how well Kyrie and Kevin Durant play. If you can at least contain them and prevent them from having the ridiculous games they're known for having every now and then, then you'd have a very, very good chance to win. Right. All right, here we got it. As of 15 minutes ago, Seth Curry will be available to play tonight. Ooh, so yeah. yet yet another guy to, to be Watch concerned about and have to get – yep. Absolutely. Well, uh, Desmond, this has been fantastic, man. That just about is everything on our agenda to, to talk about today. Awesome. Uh, so go ahead and tell the folks, though, where can they find you on social media, keep up with your work, and keep up with your show? All right. So we'll start off with my personal Twitter, which is at Desmond Novak, D-E-S-M-O-N-D-N-O-V-A-C-K. That's I usually post my normal actual opinions on there. Um, then obviously I'm a, I'm a contributor for G-Man HQ, which is like, do you work for Fanside? I also work for Fanside. That's your Giants affiliate. Uh, and then as for the show, you can find our sh- Twitter for our show. It's uh, at Sports Report PLT. We usually post updates on when we're recording because for our show, it's a radio show. So you can listen to a live. We'll post, usually post whenever we're going live. And then obviously we upload it, which you can find the show itself on Spotify and YouTube. Uh, we upload every Wednesday and Saturdays at around noon. And yeah, that, that's all I got. Fantastic. Well, everyone, you heard the man. Make sure uh, go drop him a follow over on the Twitter Please. machine. You won't, won't regret it. Lots of good content coming out over there. Desmond, my man, thank you so much for making the time to join today. I'm looking Thanks forward so Hopefully, for having we'll, me. We'll uh, collaballate again soon, be talking about sure. a uh, – Hornets postseason victory, we hope. And then maybe next year we'll, yeah. we'll link up when the Knicks are back in the playoffs as well. Hopefully they're back in the yeah. playoffs. But for sure, man, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. See you.